Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the House of Abraham. This is episode five. I'm your host, Andrew Nelly. Today is Tuesday, September 21st. And we got a great episode today, y'all. We have a returning guest, somebody I'm very excited to have back on the show. My man, Derek Stevenson. Go ahead and come on and introduce yourself again, my friend. Hey, what's up, big dog? Uh, yeah, man, it, it's been a while since we talked, man, but uh, thanks for having me back, though. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's so good to have you back. And the last time we chatted, I think it was February of last year, which if you think about what has taken place between then and now, I mean, we would need four more episodes of this at an hour apiece just to break it all down, man. It's just yeah, too much. It's been a lot. It's- Man, for sure. Well, uh, I know a lot's been going on with you uh, since February of last year. Talk, uh, talk about what's what's new in your life since uh, last year, man. What, what's up? What's new? Oh man. Well, at first, um, I well, I, I never stopped working during the pandemic, but um, I switched jobs. At first, I wasn't driving for a little bit because um, I work uh, for Lextran. Uh, public transportation i wasn't driving for a little while then i went back to that and i was kind of more like on the front lines but we never stopped uh we had a whole bunch of drivers get sick um we was in contract negotiations so it was getting a little messy like supposedly there was some money that was uh given to the company from the government and you know we were feeling like we were supposed to have some of that and so we just actually got our contract worked out uh, a couple of days ago, actually. But so it's, it was it was real crazy at work for a little while. Um, but hopefully that's all over with now. But, uh, yeah, I ended up getting married. I had a COVID wedding. <laughs> uh, it was still a great, great wedding. I still had a really big turnout. Um, we probably had invited 300 people, but. A lot of people got got sick, and then some people were scared to come. But we still probably had probably we we had we might have had 150 people still show up. So we still had a great time. Um, it was right after uh, the governor had uh, announced that um like uh it was only supposed to be like 20 groups of 20 people or something like I I can't remember exactly what it was, but basically he was shutting weddings down. And um, so I was a little nervous at first. And then um, I was talking to some people and I was like, well, the wedding venue people haven't said nothing. So I was like, if they're not going to say nothing to me, then we just going to just roll with it and just let it turn out how it turns out. So that's what we did. And they were there and they had a good time, too. So everything went good. And uh yeah, that's that's pretty much all I've been up to, man. Just living the married life. We about to go on uh, another vacation uh, next week. Actually, we going to um, uh, not Cancun, but um, I forgot the the other area that's right around Cancun. It's like if you if you leave the uh, airport and go this way, it's Cancun. If you go the other way, it's the other spot. I forgot what the name of it is though. Is it? Uh, there's one place called Extapa. Extapa like Zihuatanejo. Nah, that's not what it is. It starts. I think it no. starts with a with an M or something. I can't. I can't remember right now. But huh. yeah, man, you get down there, and there's. I mean, there's so many like resorts and places. Yeah, to go, yeah. Man. Like, I, that's I just that's been cool. telling everybody. Uh, I just been telling everybody Cancun because I keep 
forgetting what the name of the place <laughs> is. So. Right on, man. Well, dude, that's cool, man. And, you know, having a, a wedding in, in the middle of the COVID, like, I mean, you weren't like on the edge of it or at the beginning, like you were smack pretty much dead center of when the worst of it was going on. Uh, that's, that's a pretty big deal, man. Like that's a, that's a big occurrence to happen in your life. And for you guys to still push forward, uh, kudos to you. And I saw the pictures on Facebook and, and, uh, I wish I could have been there, but unfortunately uh, there were some other things going on at that time, but, yeah. uh, certainly, uh, you came out to my wedding, which was, uh, freaking awesome, man. It was so great having both of you come out and we really appreciated it. And we yeah, weren't man, necessarily, we had a good time, co- man. Yeah, dude, that was a blast. And, uh, you know, we weren't in the middle of COVID necessarily when we did ours, but we certainly were coming at the tail end when governors and mayors and various other uh, public officials were saying, hey, you know, we would strongly suggest against it. And uh, like you, we invited probably 100 and I think probably 75 showed up. So, you know, we we were happy with that. Yeah, Um, But yeah, man, uh, your wedding looked awesome. That's a big deal, man. Getting married. That's uh that's that's huge. So that's that's nothing small. And I didn't know that other stuff going on with Lextran, man. That's uh, that's pretty wild too. And being that you were downtown in the heart of Lexington in the middle of COVID, like yeah, man, you've been uh, you've been ground zero with this nonsense almost from day one. It sounds like yeah, man. And the, the thing was, see, um, one of the things that our union vice president was telling the company, he was like, the president of the United States considers us frontline essential employees so he was like man you need to consider that and kind of try to make it right with us so i i feel like um you know obviously when you negotiate you got to give a little to get a little so that's just the name of the game but overall i feel like we got a pretty uh strong contract man so i was pretty impressed that you know it took a while but uh the company kind of came through uh, a lot better than i actually thought they would so I, I wasn't I wasn't too um too mad at this one, man. This one this one turned out to be pretty decent. Right on, man. Amen. Amen. So lots of other things have happened since we last spoke as well. We have a new president, uh, but we'll get into that uh conversation here in a minute. <laughs> right. because <laughs> uh, there's, there's there's plenty to say. Plenty to say about that topic. Um so, you know, you and I both, I was also an essential worker. I was working at Amazon, so I, I feel your pain on that, man. Uh, right. I didn't get a break. I didn't get, uh, you know, uh, any stipend from the government or anything like that. So I worked all the way through just the same as you. Um, so you and I both remember, you know, the how the lockdowns and the mask wearing, and, you know, this was all before even the vaccines came out. Now it seems like we're sliding into COVID phase two. Right. This one, you know, I thought we all thought that, you know, we were coming out of masks and coming out of these shenanigans. Here we go back into COVID phase two. And, you know, now we now we're back in masks. Now we've got vaccines. And now at first they were like, oh, just get the vaccine if you can. No big deal. Now they're like, you get the vaccine or else we're going to make you take the vaccine. And so I guess I guess my question to you is how has the new COVID resurgence kind of affected you both? personally at work your family etc well my wife uh she's a director of nursing at cardinal hill and um she she felt like she kind of felt like it was her duty to take the vaccination being in the position that she was in so she took it she took it pretty early in the game 
but I kind of just didn't plan on ever taking it. So I was kind of like, I'm just going to just ride this thing out because I really don't hardly ever get sick. I feel like my immune system has been pretty good to me. So I was just kind of like, man, I'm going to just take my chances and just keep it moving. And um, so I had never really planned on taking it. But after seeing all of these mandates and uh, we had just got a letter from uh, my work where they were talking about eventually they were going to mandate us. So I kind of started feeling like at some point, man, I'm I'm going to be forced to take it, which I I feel I I'm never really ever going to support the government forcing people to do anything. Like I feel like um you know, like I respect the people that decided that they wanted to take it and I also respect the people that didn't want to take it. Like I feel like everybody has their personal reasons for doing whatever they decided to do. And um, I was cool with my wife. Like she wanted to take it. I was fine with that. And she was cool with me not taking it. Like we were just, we were good. We wasn't having no like disagreements about it or anything like that. It was just like, she felt like, well, I got to, I feel like I got to do it for my leadership position. I was like, cool. If that's what you want to do, go on and do it. And I was like, I'm going to just go on and wait, at least see what happens for a little while. But then here's what happened. So we pay for a cruise, right? Mm -hmm. And on that last page, after they took my money, it said, (laughs) COVID vaccination is required. Gotcha. Gotcha. I said, man, I said, this is going, this is what it's going to be. I said, I'm not going to be able to travel anymore. (laughs) <laughs> unless I get this shot. And I had, I told people from the beginning, I said, the only thing that would make me change my mind about this shot is if they stop me from traveling. Amen. And I said, well, I guess I'm going to have to go on and get this shot. So I just got oh. my second shot last week. And, oh, snap. Man, I, now I'm just hoping I don't die, man. So we'll see what <laughs> happens, man. But I got my face. Which, uh, shot, which... Man. Which one did you get? I ended up taking Pfizer. Okay. Now, supposedly, I don't know how much truth is to this, but Pfizer supposedly has less side effects and is less harsh on your body. Well, in comparison to Moderna and JJ, I didn't really. Only only symptom that I would say I had was I just had a little soreness, like both times. But I never yeah, got that's, sick. I never felt that's tired. What I about yeah. So you got the good one. See. uh, I got the uh, Kroger brand, uh, you know, uh, Moderna. <laughs> so, like, dude, like, that was that was straight up awful for like, pro- I'd say probably twenty four to forty eight hours, like two o'clock in the morning, shoulders, oh, back, hips, everything on fire. Like, probably a I don't know, light gray fever, uh, head just pounding, just generally just feeling like someone ran me over with a bus. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that about Moderna, but I've also heard a lot of people say that Pfizer was very easy and chill and didn't have uh, really too many side effects at all. So there you go. That's uh, you reporting that just kind of confirms that I feel like, but um, how how did that make you feel knowing that you got kind of cornered and boxed in like that? How'd that make you feel? It kind of made me feel like a sucker. It did. Yeah. 
I, it kind of yeah. made me feel like I didn't really have a choice. It made me feel like at some point I was just going to have to just wave the white flag because one thing that me and my wife have done ever since we've been together is we travel all the time. Like, and sure. we love going out of the country because we found out that we spend just as much money in Miami as we do buying a trip out of the country. So we like going out of the country. And the first mm-hmm. time, uh, when we went, we went to Cancun together, we actually didn't have to do anything. But then when we went to um, the Dominican Republic at the top of this year, we had to take a COVID test, like a 48 hour rapid test just to be able to, to leave the resort and go home, which I was like, okay, that's cool. That's no big deal. But eventually I just know like, it's going to get to a point where you're going to have to have that card on you wherever you go. And, like I said, that's one of the, the things, one of the main things we do together. Like we try to do three to four trips together a year. And uh, so, so far we went to the DR then we did Gatlinburg. Cause I had never been to Gatlinburg living in Kentucky and being this close. I'd never d- done Gatlinburg. So we went to Gatlinburg for my birthday and now we get ready to go uh, back to the, the other place that's not Cancun for her birthday and then we got a the cruise coming up later for the anniversary. So I was like, man, I'm gonna have to just gotta bite the bullet. Shot. Just bite the yeah, bullet and do it. Man. That's uh, what I felt that, like. That's that's unfortunate, man, that you know, uh, you know, it's 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 it kind of seems like the walls start closing in and you know, it feels like, you know, last year there was no walls. You know, if you didn't there wasn't even a vaccine. They were talking about it, but it hadn't right. come out yet. Now all of a sudden, you know, they had the vaccine, and as soon as they said there's a vaccine, you know, you're your prior military, I'm currently military. I knew without a shadow of a doubt. Some people were like, Oh no, don't worry, it's not gonna be mandatory. My hairy ass. Are you kidding yeah. me? Like, the military is 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 never one to play like that. The military is never one to be like, Oh yeah, you just you just do you and then we'll figure it out. No, 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 no. If it, if there's a vaccine and it's a global quote unquote whatever pandemic whatever you're getting that freaking vaccine if you're in the military period, yep. um, and I knew that was coming down. So man, I, I I bit the bullet, dude. Like I, there was one of the first groups of people uh, that got the uh, the shots available at the Kentucky Air National Guard, and I took it, man. Um, you know I, dude, I, I've been stuck with so many needles since I joined the military. Yep. Anthrax. Flu, you know, uh, mumps, measles, all this stuff. Like, I mean, there's so much junk floating around in my system. Like, I'm probably like radioactive. Like, you know, so yeah. I just figured, what the hell, go ahead and uh, you know, just get on it and knock it out now before before it becomes uh, mandatory, which now it's it's it is. <laughs> well, so I don't, um, yeah, I don't know what year you went in, but um, I joined like right after 9/11, right? So okay. I I went in like I think. Um, well, not right after, but it was like the next year. I think it was August 26, 2002, is if I okay. remember correctly. So I don't know if, if you remember, but for me, I went to uh, Fort Jackson. That's where I did my basic training. So mm-hmm. when we got there, we did our end process. And, and I remember the day I was young. I was 19. So I really didn't I really didn't know too much. Like I wasn't even like. I guess I wasn't even like worried about what was going on, but I just remember they like all the soldiers was in this big, like ginormous room. And it was like probably a thousand of us. And then 
there was all of these different stations with nurses and they had these buckets of syringes and we was just walking through the line like in a like a like an assembly line at Toyota uh like mm-hmm. and they were just popping us with needles and and I mean it was such a robotic process that it was like the nurses like they were just looking straight through you like you like you wasn't even a person to them they were just they were so like like used to doing that process that it's like they just step one pick up the needles step two pop you step three discard like and it just yeah, over and over and over there was there was no time to argue because like you by the time you noticed what was going on you had three holes in your arm and yeah. they didn't bother i don't know if they told you but they didn't even bother telling us what it was it was yeah. just like pop pop, I- pop 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 and then you get done they hand you a card and on the card is everything they just stuck you with, but you don't know what order, you don't know what arm. The only, the only thing, the only time that I realized one of them was people before had told me that like they had penicillin shots, and they would be like, "Man, it's kind of thick, and it kind of seems like you can really feel it going in." So mm-hmm. when I got that one, I was like, "Oh, that that's 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 the one right there." Like I, I it felt like I could feel it like pouring into me. It was, it was a weird experience, but yeah, none of the rest of them. I had no idea what they were shooting into me. Yeah, and and for that reason, that's why I just justified it as like, dude, anthrax was terrible. I had a horrible reaction to it. My arm swelled up to like three times the size, turned all these different colors. It was literally so bad that our, our office medic was like, hey, man, I'm actually going to document what happened to you, and it's going to go into like records that other people are going to study. Wow. I was like, fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, after all that, man, I'm like, dude, what's what's one more shot that I have literally no idea what's in here? And I know that sounds really dumb. And some people are like, bro, that's not cool. Well, you know, it's it's not like I have some like virgin arms that have never been stuck with weird shit before. Like, you know, it's it's been an arm. It's odd. I don't know what it is. Um, All I know is like you, I hardly ever get sick. And this shot made me sick which pissed me off because I'm like, dude, I'm not someone who ever gets sick. And now I intentionally signed up to make myself sick for two days. Right. And that's the thing. That I'm like, how stupid is that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man. So, you know, there's, there's a lot of that going on. You know, obviously there's a, you know, everything's so volatile right now. Everybody has an opinion about mass. Everybody has an opinion about what type of mass. Uh, everybody has an opinion about mass mandates and vaccines and vaccine mandates. And it's just a whirlwind of shenanigans going on right now. One of the things that I'm curious about what your opinion on is, and I ask you this because just like you guys, we too are avid travelers. We try to go as many places as we can throughout the year. Um, And I just got back from traveling to DC where I had to wear my mask, not only the entire time in the airport, but the entire time on the plane. And let me tell you, they are Nazis. They will bother you to the ends of the earth to pull your mask up a 16th of an inch over your nose. And now they're saying, that the bandana masks aren't good enough. You have to have one of the ones that go over your ears or an M95. And I'm curious, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I guess to see the one I wear, I wear like the, what do they call it? The gate, the face gator or whatever. The one uh-huh. that's kind of like the, the like elastic sleeve type. Right. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. That's the one that I wear, but I've been out before in places like when I went in the Apple store, they were like, nah, you can't wear that one in here. And they gave me like one of the surgical masks or whatever. And uh, so 
like I remember one time, I think I was watching a video on YouTube and there was like somebody that did a real scientific experiment and they were kind of saying that like there's there's certain there was a certain one uh from this one company that they make and and I forgot the name of the company, but they were saying this particular one does block a whole lot of like I guess uh like particulates. Yeah, yeah. But they were saying kind of like most of the rest of them really don't like and they were saying like uh, if you use like fabric, if you can hold it up to the light and see through it, that you might as well just not even have it on, honestly. And honestly, the one that I wear, you can see through it. So it's probably not helping me or making me any safer, actually. But, you know, it's kind of one of them things where. I feel like most of the ones that people are going to pull out, the fabric ones, aren't really helping. So I don't really think it makes a difference whether it, you know, whether it's, whether it has the ear straps or whatever. But if I'm in the airport and they tell me to wear a different kind, I guess I will. <laughs> like, I I mean, I'm not, gonna, <laughs> I ain't going to cause no problems over it. You know, it ain't, it ain't really that serious. I just bring a couple of the little surgical ones just in case. So we'll see. I mean, I don't, I don't really think it would make that much of a difference, but you know, if that's the rules, then no big deal. Got to play the game, right? But yeah. you're, you're a better, you're a better man than me. Cause man, I'll tell you, and I was even in uniform on the plane and you know, I, I had it up over my, over my mouth and you know, I've got a mustache. So like, you know, every time I move my face, like the grabs the mask and pulls it down. So it kept falling off my nose and the lady kept walking over it. at one point. She like stood there and looked at me and like stared a hole through me. And I was <laughs> like, can I help you? And she was just kind of looked at my nose and was like, pull it up. And I was like, Oh, get me off this plane. Lord Jesus. Like, yeah. you know, I, it, the, the, because I think it's turned into a virtue signaling kind of thing where people try to put themselves over you and be like, I'm, more conscious of what's going on and, and what's important than you, or I'm, I'm better than you because I wear my mask up over my nose and I didn't have to get told to, you know, pull it off. Like, and it's just turned into like, you know, like in school where you have the people checking for the hall passes, you know, everybody's got a, a hall, hall pass monitor now, you know, and yep. that just, that just aggravates me to no end, especially like you said, because most masks do not prevent anything at all. Um, yeah. And so we're all just playing this silly game, but, uh, you know, it, hopefully, you know, we're, we're coming to, uh, hopefully we're coming to some kind of end, man. Cause I think we're all pretty sick and tired of it, man. Yeah. But, uh, I was switching gears into some other stuff, man. Uh, you know, one of the, one of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show besides you're just a cool ass dude and you're my boy, uh, is because you are an anomaly in today's society. You are a African-American conservative Republican. Right. Gun toting, cigarette smoking, whiskey yeah. drinking, and uh, God bless you through, man. But so last time we talked about that, that was a big deal on the show. Uh, my dad even listened to it, and he was like, "Man, that's that's a wild episode." I was like, "Yeah, great." You know, that's why I wanted <laughs> to have him on. Right. Um, so uh, one of the things that you know I'm curious about is from when we spoke in February of last year to now, new president, new administration, whole new set of issues, whole new set of problems. Uh, you're still obviously a Republican conservative. So, and I know you voted for Trump as did I uh, talk about what has evolved and changed in your 
your life, your community, the black community, as far as people knowing that you're a black conservative? What has anything changed or evolved there? Well, okay, so this is this is my thoughts about it. I feel like when I first started speaking out a little more, um, I feel like my intentions was just to try to give people a different perspective that they could think on. And cause that's kind of the way it came to me. Like somebody gave me a different perspective and then I had to like, look at my and kind of reevaluate some of the things that I was, you know, supporting. And, and I kind of really didn't have a lot of like legitimate answers for the reason why I had the belief system that I had. So when I first started speaking out a little bit about it, that was kind of my goal. And then it just immediately went left. It was like, it got to a point where I feel like people was antagonizing me. And then I got to a point where I was antagonizing people. And I feel like I wasted a whole lot of time over the last like four to five years because I don't really think anybody really it might have been one or two people that really kind of gave me an honest ear to try to see if anything I was saying makes sense. But most of them, it was just like a, it was like a, like a battle, like a, like an ego driven battle between me and some people. And I, and I think it ultimately just made, uh, I, I guess I wouldn't really say like, it's not like a serious problem, like to where like if I see people in real life, something's going to happen. But I guess it would kind of I would say it kind of just made uh, me have funny relationships with people more than anything. <laughs> um, right on. So my this is kind of the way I look at it. I feel like um, as far as like my community, right, like I feel like whenever Barack Obama became the president is when you had our people kind of really start paying attention. But I feel like they were so emotionally attached to him because he was black that they really didn't pay attention to the political side of it. They just paid attention to having representation. So a lot of people like there was a lot of white people that loved Barack Obama, which was cool, but then there was a lot of white people that hated Barack Obama. And because black community was so emotionally attached to him, they couldn't they couldn't see it as like well, maybe they just hate Barack Obama because they think he's a bad president. Now, I I'm not naive enough to think well, I'll put it like this. I know for a fact that some people just hated him because he was black. But I also do know that some people just hated him because they don't think he's a good politician. But with with our people being so emotionally attached to him, they can only see it as they hate him because he's black. So whenever he was, his term was up, then Donald Trump comes up next. And Donald Trump, the way they carry themselves as people, he's the polar opposite of Barack Obama. So then the narrative became um, anybody that votes for Trump or anybody that's Republican, 
is racist. So I think there are there is a lot of black conservatives, but I think the majority of people just aren't going to speak up on it because immediately they're going to put you in the box and say that you like you're 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 a self-hating black man or you're the white man's you know whatever like it's just they're just going to throw all of that on you and it doesn't matter like if you tell them stuff like whenever i tried to explain some of my points for being a conservative i tried to explain it to him in a way that i thought it was beneficial specifically for black people right but at the end of the day even if i even if i got one of them to admit and be like yeah that actually does make some sense they will go right back to but trump's a racist and i would be like man i don't really necessarily know if trump is a racist or not man i i think trump is equally a jackass if you want to say he's a jackass to everybody like i don't think he picks and chooses people based on their now he, now you might could say maybe he's an elitist like maybe he doesn't respect poor people but i don't necessarily know if if i really think he's a racist but that's what the majority of the people in the black community think so whenever he was campaigning against joe biden all they could think of was just getting the racist out of office. So in their eyes, I feel like they accomplished the mission. They got the racist out of office and now they don't care anymore. Like now they're, they're good. Like, so whatever is happening now, whatever Biden's doing, I don't really think the majority of the black community even cares at all. Like, I think they just, they're good. Like, the races is gone we're cool we're like so at the end of the day i kind of really just looked at it and i was like well i mean what i'll give you an example like you know how like like you might have a friend and he's in a toxic relationship right and you keep telling right. him like man you need to get out of that toxic relationship right but he keeps going nah well it's, it's cool and like whatever and he makes excuses and he stays in it and then eventually you just go, man, I ain't got no more to say about it. You'll get yourself right. out of it whenever you get yourself out of it. That's kind of how I am right now. Like, I'm kind of like, well, they want to be in this toxic relationship with liberals. And I'm kind of just wasting my breath. So I just For sit sure. back and kind of just let them, you know, that's what they want. So I just let them. Yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> a good example of that is as California had uh, Gavin Newsom up for um, they were trying to uh, recall him. Right. And right. so there's a, a black, I believe a black Republican conservative who was going up against him, a guy named Ed, if you remember his name, do you remember his name? No, nah, I um, have no idea. Ed something. Uh, but anyway, so he was running as a, as a black conservative against Gavin Newsom, who arguably to the rest of the country is a liar, a guy who makes rules for everybody else, but he doesn't follow them, raising taxes on literally everybody, rich and poor, just pretty much like destroying the state of California. And so the Californians had an opportunity to get them out of office and put somebody else in there and let them have a try. And they literally voted him right back in and they took a poll and like, I think it was like 67% of 
that he, even though he was a horrible human being and he's destroying the state, they thought he was better than what the conservative option was. And so they literally voted, you know, to me, that's like, if you're in a pool and all of a sudden you start drowning and like you, you go to put your head up and someone reaches their hand out and you slap their hand away and you're like, no, bro, I just rather, I'd rather drown. I'm good. Just let me yeah. drown. Actually, could you throw a cinder block at me while I'm in here? Like, and so, you know, some of the conservative Republican uh, podcasters that I listen to, like Ben Shapiro and Tim Pool, they just had a field day with this. They were like, how stupid are you guys? Like, you had a chance to vote in somebody else, maybe give someone else a try to see if maybe they could do things a little bit differently, new perspectives, and you literally voted the same dipshit right back in again. So, like you said, man, like, you know, there's a there's a good Bible verse that says, don't cast your pearls before swine. Like, if people, people – some people are just impervious to good advice – and some people are impervious to other opinions that aren't their own. And you could waste an entire lifetime trying to talk these people into seeing things in a different way. They're not going to listen to you. They're going to call you racist. They're going to call you uh, a bigot. They're going to tell you that you're a uh, uncle Tom because you're a black conservative and just yeah. all this crazy nonsense. And so for what, like, you know, it's not doing you any good. It's just making you mad and make wasting your time. Like you said, so, uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate that it's that way, but like you said, with the guy that has the shitty girlfriend, you just got to let him figure it out. Yep, because <laughs> eventually the only thing that's going to happen is you'll just alienate yourself, which is what I, I feel like I did with a lot of people. Like I, and, and like I said, I would go through it step by step with why I believe it's beneficial to black people, and they still just would be like, I'm waving the liberal flag. And, and what was even even more shocking is that whenever certain things happen that are straight liberal agenda, they just gloss over it and act like they don't see it. Like a lot, a lot of black people in the black community, they are a little frustrated with a lot of these straight males wearing female clothing and stuff like that. And they speak out about that all the time. But I'm like, well, that's liberal agenda. Like, so are you for that? Are you against that? Like, what is it like? And I feel like there's a whole lot of confusion like that. Like, like, for instance, I just was uh, looking at what was going on at the border today or, you know, the last several days or whenever it was. But with the the cowboys uh, whipping all the Haitians and stuff at the border or whatever. And I was like. Man, whenever Trump was in the office, y'all had a whole lot to say about what was going on at the border. And Amen. now I, I don't hear anything anymore. Silence. And that's just kind of how it goes with that with that group of people. So yeah. yeah, and that's 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 the thing that I wish the other side would have. And by you know, on this show, you know, you and I we acknowledge this is a Republican show for conservatives, and we, we do Republican news commentary and talk. Uh, because there's there's more than enough Democratic liberal voices, but there's not enough conservative talk voices. There's just not. And we get silenced typically. But it's important that we get out there and we talk about things in a fair and balanced way. And I would never down the liberal Democratic side without also taking responsibility for what we do. Um, like you said about Trump, I could sit around and point out all the not so great things that Trump did. And, you know, even though I like him and I'd probably vote for him again. There was absolutely some things that I was like, bro, what is the matter with you? Like, what are you stupid? Like, you know, 
he, he is not perfect in any way, shape, or form. He is certainly not the best president we've ever had, nor do I think he ever will be. But ask the left about that, and they'll go, oh, no, Joe Biden's perfect. Like, he has, he has made zero mistakes. And it's like, come on, man. You yeah. can't even admit, like, to a little bit. You can't even give a little bit of criticism. Like, come on, dude. Like, your, your dude doesn't even know where he is half the time. Like, he was in uh, Geneva at some uh, convention, and he got lost three times. And they had to go. They had to go send the secret police out to go find him. And he was wandering <laughs> around in a, in a coffee shop, and he literally <laughs> didn't even know where he was. Yeah, and it's man. like, bro, come on, man! Like on the left, you all can't even you can't even laugh at that a little bit. And come on, like, look, come on, you know. So that's something that bothers me is that I feel like, yeah, we're not perfect as Republicans or conservatives, not by a long shot. But at least I feel like most of us can be like, well, we're not perfect either, and we're not claiming to be, but. We can make fun of our dudes, so you should be able to call out yours as well. And that's yeah. the problem is I feel like the left just goes, nope, nope, he's good. He's good. Nope, that was not a mistake that he made. So that's going to lead me right into the next question, and I'm sure you can see already where I'm going with this. You're a, uh, you're a veteran. I'm a veteran. Uh, <laughs> the Afghan pullout, man. Uh, I have a lot to say, but seeing that I'm still currently in the military, there's a lot that I can't. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you, a guy who's not in anymore. What are your thoughts uh, briefly about the Afghan pullout? Okay. Well, well, first give, give me a little bit more information. Cause I, I feel like my information about it is kind of limited. So what I, I, I really don't know all the details, but I do know that obviously like they lost a bunch of military supply and, and that the Taliban took over and was telling them they had certain amount of days to uh, evacuate. And, but, but, Walk me through the beginning of that first. So, again, uh, just I'll, I'll do this is just a quick little disclaimer, just because I have to protect my own butt. Everything yeah. that I'm getting ready to say is not shared by anybody else, any other government agencies. This is Andrew, Andrew Nelly saying these things, and only me. Uh, none of these things I'm getting ready to say are official or of any kind of official capacity. So, uh, the way I read it, the way I understood it was, we were always going to get out anyway. Uh, that's what a lot of the left will tell you is, well, we were always going to get out. So what are you so mad about? We just, you know, this is how it went down. And of course, you know, uh, Joe Biden said, well, you know, there was always going to be problems when we pulled out. So what did you expect? Barring all of that, uh, the thing that I think a lot of people are upset about was how much was left behind. Right. Uh, supposedly the Taliban inherited billions of dollars worth of uh, weapons that still work, uh, tanks, aircraft, uh, night vision goggles, which if from a strategic standpoint, if you want to have a, an advantage over your enemy, you don't give them the weapons that you have that give you that advantage. So, you know, if you ever knew any of the spec op guys, they would all tell you, Hey, man, the thing that's really cool is we have MVGs, which means we can see in the dark and they cannot, which means right. if we are moving in on a target, we can start clipping dudes off and they, have, they don't even know what's going on because they can't see anything. Now that they have however many hundreds of thousands of pairs of MVGs, that's some scary, man, because now our operators and our spec op guys that get out there in the field, they're not going to be, they you know, really in have a, an advantage. Yeah, they're not blending in the dark anymore. Now they're going to be seen too, which means this administration just put a lot, a lot of lives in serious danger. Um, and, you know, just 
leaving behind that much stuff. Like, you know, uh, I don't know if you remember when, uh, when they whacked Osama bin Laden, the SEALs did, they had a, a plane that went down that was kind of uh, experimental and they weren't supposed to talk about it. So they threw a bunch of grenades in it and blew it all to shit. Why? Right. Because you don't want the enemy finding out what your technology is and using it against you. So they, right. they took care of it. That's how you're supposed to leave. When you exit somewhere, you do what's called, you know, it's called demill. You have to demill everything. If you have uniforms, you cut them up. Right. If you have, uh, you know, munitions, you either take them with you or you, you explode them. You put them in a big barrel and you blow them up. Um, so the fact that I think most Americans that don't understand how the military works, they're just looking at the hard facts and the numbers and going, okay, uh, 100,000 machine guns, uh, 500,000 rounds of this, uh, some C-130s, which I'm in the Air Force, and I'm like, what? Yeah, that's great. What? You left behind a whole C-130? Yeah. That's like <laughs> that's like $70 million or billion dollars or whatever it is. Like, oh, my God. Uh, so, you know, just I think that's probably the thing that most people, even whether you're Democrat or you're Republican, get behind that and go, come on, man, like, yeah, it was always going to be a problem getting out because it's we've been there for 20 plus years, granted. But it could you could have not left the enemy every single advantage in the world. Yeah. And, and so I think when you ask me, like, kind of catch me up to speed, really, honestly, man, I can't tell you anything more than, than the TV or the news is going to tell you, plus what was left behind. Yeah. Well, you know, the scary thing about that is, is, is that uh, – you know, like you were saying, them not having certain type of capabilities and technologies, that's probably what's always kept America from never being invaded. Mm -hmm. But that kind of seems scary because now it's like, well, will they try it? You know what I mean? Like, right. Like the, maybe they won't. But then again, uh, it makes it seem a little bit more realistic that they might give it a shot. I they mean, certainly could, man. If they, they have they like 150 C one thirties, you know, right? You know, I mean, that's uh, I mean, they, I don't know how far they'd get into our our you know eastern coast border, but I mean, they could probably make a little noise though, huh? They could they could make a run at it, man. And you know, again, if our spec op guys are out there on the ground and they're trying to be sneaky, and these dudes have you know nogs, uh, you know, night vision goggles, that's that's a real problem, man. That's a serious problem, and. I guess so. I guess the thing that that I'm asking you is, you know, based on your time in, like, I, I don't know if you ever spent any time in Afghanistan, but I was there for some time. Uh, you know, just kind of what what do you think probably could have been done better? Well, fortunately for me, I I never did spend any time in Afghanistan. Uh, right on. I I know a lot of people that did though, uh, but you know, um, man, it's just. I feel like for as long as we was over in that, you know, in that territory, mm. it's just like, how much did we actually really accomplish? Because it just seems like, you know, so we were supposed to be pre preparing, you know, the soldiers and everything to defend the territory on their own. Right. right. Uh, so like, how long does that take? Like, I mean, like, and I mean, for it to just basically is almost like it happened overnight, like they just took over. Right. And it yeah. just seems like. 
it's just kind of it's it's still kind of almost unbelievable to me because it, it's just basically like now it just seems like the whole thing was just a wasted effort like because if that's the end result then it's like what was the point of any of that and it's kind of sad because i mean you know it probably wasn't for for a 20 year span it probably wasn't a large amount of soldiers that lost their lives but still man that would be super disappointing like to just think like some people died in that war and it just ended like that you know what i mean right like that's just a bad way for that to like be the conclusion to that and and it's like i don't i don't even really know what to say like like what they could have did better like it's because it's kind of just like shocking to me still that it just ended that away like it's just man it's just hard to believe like 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 when i first um started even hearing about it like i just couldn't believe it you know when i started hearing billions of dollars i was like billions because at first you know like i said i seen some memes before i even even actually knew what was happening and you know i seen a couple of memes and it was like um like talibans with like you know some kevlar lbes and and you know just a little bit of like military gear and i was like oh so they got a little bit of stuff but then when i started realizing it was billions of dollars worth of stuff i was like wow like that's crazy to think crazy because like um i mean this this, i I would just hate i would just hate to even see like what it looks like to just see billions of dollars worth of equipment like it's got to be so much i mean i know like when you get to you know you're you're factoring in tanks and airplanes i know the numbers go up quickly but that's still just got to be so much like gear and supply like i can't even imagine it man probably gonna start seeing lots of those uh night vision goggles on like ebay and shit like that man oh you know man. Like, yeah going crazy man <laughs> for sure for sure man well yeah man so uh last little questions man before we wrap up the show um just a couple last little things that we can uh, kind of throw out um right now the administration's approval rating has been kind of fluttering and kind of moving between like 38 to 41 percent sometimes even dipping even lower than that um you know obviously you and i have our strong thoughts about you know this administration and what they're doing and what they're not doing um what what do you think is going to happen in the next three years three to four years as far as do you think things are going to get any better do you think things are going to get any worse and do you think that uh that uh, what's his name, uh, DeSantos and uh, Trump are going to run again. Well, I I do feel like Trump is going to give it another shot. Um, but the problem is, is that I feel like if he comes right after Biden again, there's still going to be so many people that hate him that it could he could end up in the same situation. I think he I think it would be smarter for him to let a little bit of time pass because like right now I feel like a lot of people in their hearts feel like they made a mistake but they just have too much pride to admit it and I think like 
they would they would they would go down the same ride again and just support whoever the liberal candidate is. What is probably not going to be Biden, but whoever it is, I feel like they will just ride that train again just because they don't want to see Trump win because if Trump wins again, then it would make them have to ultimately look at themselves and be like, man, I made a mistake. Or once again, they'd have to question their own own belief system. And I just think they aren't ready to do that yet. So I feel like, um, I feel like he should run again, but I just don't know if he should do it this quickly. I think he might should, but you know, I mean, you you don't never know how much time you got left or what opportunities you're gonna have. So maybe he feels like he he has to go again. I actually wouldn't mind seeing him try again. It wouldn't bother me a bit. I mean, any anything has got to be better than than Biden, man. I'm just be honest with you. <laughs> I feel like, and I feel like a lot of people that voted for Biden because he's not Trump. I feel like now they have to admit, like. Whatever you thought Trump was, Biden is, at the very least, he is also. You know what I mean? Like, if you thought Trump was a terrible president, then you got to at least think Biden is, too. Yep, just like people say in the the country, man, you roll it, you smoke it, cowboy. So, (laughs) you know, like, hey, man, you bought this, you bought this car, this 87 Honda Civic, and you're going to have to drive it now, so... Yeah, good luck with that. (laughs) Last question, man, and I'll let you off here. This is a pretty big one, um, and so I think I gave you a heads up about it because it involves a kind of touchy subjects about what's going on currently in our world. But as a a fellow person of color, uh, what are your thoughts on either the raising or the lowering of Civil War monuments? For an example, like Robert E. Lee's statue in uh, Virginia while I was there uh, in D.C., uh, Stonewall, Jock, Stonewall Jackson, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who uh, was a man for the also did, in fact, own slaves. So what what are your thoughts on all that? Uh, man, it's it. I kind of have it's a tough question, isn't it? It, it? OK, so this is honestly <laughs> how I feel about it. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm kind of sort of neutral about it because. Like, OK, like if you take the statues down. It's not going to change history, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, maybe it might prevent like somebody walking, you know, downtown with their kid and, you know, having to explain it to their kid that's asking a question about the statue. It might prevent something like that. But ultimately, whatever feelings you have about it, it's not really going to change your feelings about it, whether they're negative or positive. Like they're just taking the statue down. Mm-hmm. So, like, what it represents to some people, it, I guess it represents different things to different people, but either way, the statue being there or not is like, it, it never really would make a difference to me. Like, I just don't pay attention to stuff like that. Like if I go downtown and there's a statue of Robert E. Lee, it's not really going to move me one way or the other, but, but I understand that it makes a lot of people uncomfortable. So I guess maybe if you're trying to show the people that's uncomfortable that you care about them, I guess it can be like a nice gesture, but it's really mostly just, it's more symbolic, but it's not really, 
Like it's not really going to change anything realistically. You know what I mean? Yeah, man. Yeah, it certainly doesn't take the events away. Uh, knocking down a statue doesn't undo the Civil War. It still happened. Yeah. And Robert E. Lee was still a man. He still fought and died uh, for what he thought was right, whether you agree with that or not, which obviously, and I think the most important thing to take away from all that is people need to do their research and understand who these people really were before you go jumping to conclusions and knocking the statue down. Did Robert E. Lee stand for or fight for the South? Absolutely. Uh, did he believe in slavery? Actually, according to what a lot of people have read, he was more on the side of the North than he was the South. In fact, he wanted to fight for the North, but he loved his home state of Virginia so much that he felt like there was people invading his state. And so he felt like he was fighting against an invading force, which was the North. Uh, actually, a lot of people don't realize that he was more anti-slavery than he was pro-slavery, but because he decided to fight for his home state in the South, that colored him as a as a bad guy, right? Right. Like people people look at the statue and they go, "Nope, Confederate racism, uh, slavery. Nope, take it down." And it's like, man, life is so much more nuanced than that, man. Like, yeah. you're Derek Stevenson. Are you are you just a guy who drives? No, no. I, I'm a little I'm a little more complex than that. See, that's what I'm talking about, man. There's more nuance than that. So I wish the people who wanted to pull down the statues would take a step back and kind of go, hey, who was Stonewall Jackson, really? Who was Thomas Jefferson? Uh, you know, did they really feel this certain way or were they just in a moment choosing to do one thing, which doesn't always necessarily define you who you are as a person? But um, yeah, man, I, I think uh, I think this has been a great conversation, man. It's been really great having you on, Derek. And I know we're hitting almost an hour. Uh, so, but man, thank you so much for coming back on the show. You uh, did an yeah, awesome man. job as I knew Any, you would. Anytime brother. And, uh, man, you know, I feel like you and I could take nine more subjects and spend like an hour breaking down each one. So I'm going to have to have you back on cause there's some things we didn't get to that I want to talk to you about further. So yeah, let's make sure, sure we don't, let's make sure we don't take an hour or uh, I should say a year and some change between when we talk again. Yeah. But, man, uh, I didn't, I didn't actually realize that it had been that long. Me either. <laughs> but yeah, we got, yeah, we're going to have to do it a little more frequent than that. Absolutely, man. Cause God knows. And you know, there is plenty to talk about Absolutely. plenty to talk about for sure. So thank you again so much for coming on, man. You did a great job. Uh, tell the wife I said, hi, and yes, uh, man, just, just keep kicking ass and being who you are, man. All right, brother. Talk to you later. Take care, buddy. Yes, sir. See you. Hey, thank you so much, y'all, for listening to the latest episode of the House of Abraham. Stay tuned for more episodes. We always got new content. There's always plenty to talk about in this world. But thank you again for your patronage. And as always, stay tuned, y'all. Take care.